Welcome, everyone, to another Memphis Hardwood. I am your host, Anthony Saracusa, and I'm joined by Marvin Stockwell. Marvin, how the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic. We just keep winning, right? Yeah, it was only a two-game week, but what a game we had against the Phoenix Suns. We are going to go through so many moments from that game because there are so many to go through. Uh, The bench Mm -hmm. squad was in full effect. Um, We narrowly escaped with a win against San Antonio. We'll talk about that as well. But Marvin, we have somewhat unbelievably four games left in this regular season. Where has the time gone, my friend? Just uh, it blew by. You know, it's like uh, it's all a wonderful blur, really. <laughs> it is a wonderful <laughs> blur. Well, we've been keeping a record here on Memphis oh, yeah. Hardwood. So for those of you who want to recount some of those moments, you can go back and listen to some past episodes. Only four games left in this season. Um, and I just want to hit a couple of incredible milestones uh, before we talk a little bit about this Phoenix game that we achieved throughout the course of this season. Uh, Marv, uh, obviously Desmond Bain has passed Mike Miller for three pointers made as of today, Des has made 219 this season and Mike Miller made 202. So we know Des is going to continue to build on that record over the next four games. Uh, Steve-O has passed Zebo for 340 offensive rebounds this season. Uh, Zebo Zebo only had, I say only, he had 330. Um, as of today, Jaron Jackson Jr. is tied with Pau Gasol for blocks in a season, 169 blocks in a season. That record, Marvin, will fall if Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr. plays, which I believe he will. And... We have a Southwest division title for the first time in franchise history clinched in the narrow victory over the San Antonio Spurs. I know you spend a lot of time thinking about uh, divisions in the NBA. (laughs) So what does it, what does it mean that we've won this Southwest division title? I mean, it's just another accolade on the pile of accolades for this year. I mean, uh, honestly, uh, Maybe if there were a season devoid of any others, maybe it would matter more. But when uh, stacked alongside all the other ones you just rattled off, um, I mean, it's important. Um, and I know it meant something to the team and it's hard won. And that's it's not easy to do. Obviously, it's the first time we've ever done it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I find more joy in, in the other things on that list, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing about the Southwest Division Championship is we're going to get a banner. So that'll be well, that. That'll be the first banner in FedEx Forum that I yeah, I mean we've got Zebo's retired number but we haven't we never won the Western Conference Finals, you know, mm-hmm. we've never obviously won the NBA Finals and so um that's going to be the first banner that gets to hang in FedEx Forum wow. commemorating, right? Yeah, so that's that's going to be pretty sweet. Um, and of course, given like the makeup of the division, the San Antonio Spurs have just been like ridiculous for so long um, and dominated yeah. for decades, like throughout really the whole tenure of the Grizzlies history. And the Mavericks are really good. And, you know, um, they've really been maybe one of the best teams in basketball over the last two or three weeks. Um, and so to be able to, I think, win that Southwest Division title with that, uh, those other teams in that space, it, it's going to be it's going to be great. Yeah, Um, we have one other thing to celebrate on this momentous occasion uh, as we wrap up the season, and that's the best seed uh, playoff seed in franchise history. The two seed is locked up. 
Um, yep. Avid listeners of Memphis Hardwood will recall that we did predict the Grizzlies would win the two seed this year, and they have done that. Um, both Golden State um, and uh, Utah falling back behind the Grizzlies. And in fact, Utah has fallen uh, down to the sixth seed. They have had wow. some struggles here of late yeah. at 46 and 32. Warriors have as well, but they've they fairly well locked up that that three seed as well. So basically the playoff picture at the moment is Memphis is locked into the two seed Marvin and they will play the winner of Minnesota versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm. That's what that's going to look like for the first round playoff series uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit more here shortly because I actually watched the Timberwolves quite a bit this past weekend, just to see if we could get a little taste of what Mm -hmm. that playoff series may look like. And here's one last thing we have to, uh, we have to name the Grizzlies are currently sitting at 55 wins. The win total, uh, for the best season in franchise history is 56 Marvin with four games left to play. Will the Grizzlies clinch yet another record? I mean, barring something cataclysmically strange. Uh, yes, yes. It's going to see us not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to anticipate that the Grizzlies who, you know, have a fairly difficult stretch run here. I'm going to anticipate that they win at least two of these last four games. Um, we're going to be at Utah uh, tonight, Tuesday, April 5th, and we're going to be at Denver on Thursday. And I will actually be at that game with our friend, sweet ass will from Memphis in a nice. box, hopefully watching John Morant, who I think will on that day be cleared to get back to the action. That'd be so, nice. I think we can steal this game from Utah. Um, I think we can steal the game from Denver. Uh, then we got New Orleans at home and Boston at home to wrap up the season. Yeah. Um, and I think that we can take uh, the Pelicans as well. Boston is such a good defensive team. They've been playing as well as anybody in the NBA over the last two weeks. We may drop that one, Marv. But if let's say we win three out of the next four games, that would put our win total at 58, mm-hmm. new franchise record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, at this point, what, what would we, what can they not do? Right. Like, so I find myself being like, no, we can win that last game. I guess Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Even if we rest a bunch of folks. Yeah. We sure. <laughs> you know, because That's like, right. Right. And you're like, why see Phoenix game, right? So see the Phoenix game. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Um, the Grizzlies have just been incredible this year. All those individual accolades, the team accolades just got to take a minute to savor this season and what it has really meant to this franchise, to all these guys. Um, I vote for a contract extension for Taylor Jenkins. Uh, I mean, good grief. Um, A lot of this is, is excellent coaching. Uh, Yeah. I mean, coach of the year, right. Monty Williams, obviously like in the running, but here's the thing. The the Suns went to the Western conference finals last year. Folks knew the Suns were going to be good. Um, We didn't know the Grizzlies were going to be good. Certainly not this good. No, absolutely not. To me, that gives the edge to Jenkins for coach of the year. But, hey, we'll have to wait and see. It'll be garbage if he doesn't win. It'll just be like <laughs> we, we, we riot if, right. he, if he doesn't the, win. The world is not a just place. So let's, no, absolutely not. let's, uh, let's see what happens. But we'll be pulling for Coach T. Uh, Marvin, only 12 games this season played by the Grizzlies team have been decided by four or less. Only 12 mm. games. They have been yeah. beating the crap out of teams <laughs> consistently, yeah. regardless yeah. of who is on the floor. Um, but listen, I mean, one game where we did not beat the crap out of the other team, that was that San Antonio game 
Um, Grizz win narrowly. Uh, Keldon mm-hmm. Johnson was on fire throughout that game. Yeah. Um, and he missed a point blank look at the rim at the very end of the game with whatever 1.4 seconds left. Yeah. Um, and the Grizzlies snuck out with a win. Did you get a chance to watch that? Yeah, one? I watched it. We we're, we we're fortunate. Um, it was, it was a good game. It was a really good game uh, back and forth. Uh, and yeah. And then we just, we were, in, we were incredibly fortunate uh, to escape with the victory. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I like about playing San Antonio is that Taylor Jenkins is part of the Greg Popovich coaching tree. Um, Mm -hmm. And this past week, Drew Hill put together a really excellent piece um, and he gets a number of quotes from pop on Jenkins. Um, And it's amazing. I mean, he pop says that basically Jenkins is a genius. He's a hard worker. Um, And, you know, I remember when the coaching search was going on um, after JB Bickerstaff and um, uh, had, had shoved off. And I remember thinking like, okay, you know, I feel like Memphis should have black coaches. I I mean, I just, that's kind of my sort of mentality is, you know, I feel like it's, it's reflective of the city's population. First of Mm -hmm. all, it's reflective of, you know, the folks who, uh, who play basketball, the talent coming out of the city, the talent on our collegiate team and on our NBA team. And so, and of course we had had uh, JB Bickerstaff, we'd had Lionel Hollins. um, We'd had David Fisdale. We'd had a number of black coaches, um, of course, Lionel Holland's the winningest coach in, in Grizzlies history. So when Taylor Jenkins, who was relatively unknown to me, gets appointed, I'm like, who is this guy? What is he doing with this? Yeah, job? I had the same thought. But boy, yeah, has sure. he done a great job. Well, yeah, he's killed it. He's absolutely killed it. And he's got his team believing. Uh, I think he is a great mix of motivator, uh, fierce defender, um, loyalty uh, enhancer by by his the way he sets an example. I feel like, and it isn't just all him, of course. I think you know we've spoken a, a good bit about you know John ja Morant's own style of soft skill, vocal leadership, and 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 the humility, and you know sharing the limelight. But I I, I think that has just worked in such great tandem uh, with uh, with Taylor Jenkins. And it's just, it's, it's, again, it's part, it's, it's part of the fabric of this wonderfully woven together who to thunk it season. Really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and he is, he's uh, he, he, he finds a, the right way. It's, it's like, he is a big part of the culture uh, and the tone that's been set uh, that has allowed these great personalities uh, and these great gifted athletes uh, to hang together so well and feel such a familial bond. Yeah. I mean, you hear guys talk about it all the time, culture, and you hear coaches talk about it all the time. Um, but it's actually happening in Memphis that they have this culture that everyone's bought into, that they understand and that they want to participate in. And the reason yeah. we know that is because the Grizzlies are, I think it's 19 and two without John Morant. This is not a team that's just solely dependent on its superstar. And we're going to get to Santi Aldama. We're going to get to Jitty a little bit later. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to Zaire. We're going to get to DeAnthony Melton and Dylan Brooks. We're going to get to all those guys who played against Phoenix this past week uh, that are not the guys that are getting the highlights on ESPN every night, that are not the guys that, you know, were the reason necessarily ESPN came to Memphis just a couple of weeks back. We're going to get to those guys because they are a part of this culture. They believe in the culture. Um, And it really starts from the top. And I mean, even Jenkins will say, Hey, you know, um, Zach Kleiman, you know, head of basketball operations, right. With the Grizzlies, um, Jason Wexler, right. All these guys are on the same page about what they're doing and how they're doing it. 
And so when we look at the success of this season, right, we think about Taylor Jenkins coming from that distinguished coaching heritage with Greg Popovich, you know, you can't help but get excited about the future. I mean, this has been a great season, but oh my gosh, I mean, this seems like, yeah. and I hate to, I don't want to be that guy because Zach Kleiman uses this language, but I'm going to do it in sustainable success. I think we have sustainable success here. Yeah. Not to mention when you consider, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we're, we have the, the lowest, we're in a really good position salary wise. Yeah. Um, now, you know, like think about how the, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll give one conversation and just kind of let's look at how it, it kind of has evolved six weeks ago, e even back then Tyus Jones was playing great, but, but the logic, especially at the, like, you know, all-star break was like, well, if you look, who's got a contract that's up, you know, it's the conventional wisdom says that, you know, we're Tyus Jones is probably going to be able to go take a deal somewhere else, you know, and they could probably lose Tyus. But now the, the, the culture and the, and the success of the Grizzlies franchise. And I would argue the longevity uh, where people can see how that's a success. That's going to be years long. Right. Yeah. But poten potentially, you know, why and, and I was talking to Cormac about this on the, on the ride to school. Cause he was trying to figure this out. Like, you know, like he's not thinking about contract extensions and all the complexities of all that. He's just like, you know, being part of a team is something that an 11 year old understands uh, and winning is fun. Right. So like, yeah. And, and then from his perspective, they all make a bunch of money. And it's like, I'm not sure that Cormac's logic and reasoning isn't the exact calculus because now, okay. If he were, if Tyus Jones were just on a successful basketball team yeah. that was doing pretty well this season, but who knows what's going to happen next season, he would have every right to say, go get, you know, if he can go get the quote bag of money from the Pistons, yeah. then he'd be well within his right. And the people would be like, well, that makes sense. You know, good luck. Yeah. Tyus's yeah. been great, man. Love yeah. you, man. And, you know, and that, that'd be that, but like Tyus is like, yeah, could he go make more money somewhere else? P possibly, you know, a lot, yeah. there's been some back and forth about would he make more than the mid-level exception, uh, exemption, mid-level exemption. I mean, I might be getting that term wrong, but yeah. my point is mid-level okay, exception. Yeah. Mid-level exception. He might make some more, but is that worth not being a part of what he's already a part of, which is like a winning franchise that could potentially knock on wood. And this is a crazy thing to say here. Yeah. yeah. Like be a team for the ages. This like, yeah. the, like when we think of like the bulls teams of the past, every player, even your Horace grant is like thought of as he was part of that magical thing that happened. Right. Absolutely. And it's like Tyus has the opportunity. I would argue to be part of a legacy team of the ages that wins a lot. Now, does he just want to be the guy who did pretty good and got to the Western conference finals and then got a bag of money and, and played at some inconsequential team and who knows where his career is going to go. He's it, it's assumed he's going to make a good bit of money, more money than most of us will ever make in one season. Right. And yeah, for our for whole sure. lives. So my point is this, and somebody said it on Twitter, they're like it for him, it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. And I think that's right. That's true. Like, yeah. So think of the think of how the complexion of just that one particular sub story of this Grizzly season has changed radically just because oh, yeah. they keep winning and Tyus keeps being great and it keeps looking like more fun than, you know, I mean, somebody said something like it's like a forget who said this. He said it's like a college basketball team. Yeah, you know, and I, I'd observed that even before I saw one. I think it was. Yeah, it was one yeah of the you said players. that here on the pod. Absolutely. Yeah. 
it's that grit. It's that college basketball level of enthusiasm. And what pro wouldn't love to be part of that level of enthusiasm, which is what we all love about the game in the, of the college game in the first place, exactly. but also make a, a, a ton of money. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. who would trade that to go yeah. see what's behind door number two. Well, and to go from, you know, a 50, maybe seven, 58 game uh, winning team to go to the Detroit Pistons, to use the example you brought up earlier, you know, yeah. going from maybe Tyus gets them from 22 to 35 wins, <laughs> you know, but maybe not even that much. I mean, friend of the pod and previous guest, Matt Herdlicka, he says plopping down four years, 64 million for Tyus is not the move that scales a team like the Pistons from 22 wins to 40 wins. If anything, it's a type of move that gets you in trouble. So he's basically saying, you know, when you look at the possible fits for Tyus to get the bag over the summer, um, the fits aren't clean. And so basically what Hurd says, and I think he's probably right about this, Tyus is going to come back to Memphis on the same contract that he's been signing since that Kleiman came to Memphis. And so that's going to be, you know, probably a, a contract in the, in the range of $10 million a year for a backup point guard. You know, he notes his usage rate is only 16.5%. That's crazy low. Okay. So basically Hurd's point is Tyus is good when there's other good players around him because he's not the one, right. Who's always having to go to the rim. Although he can do that with the floater. He's not the guy who's always taking the three, although he can do that. He's the guy who sets guys up cleanly, doesn't turn the ball over, which yeah. that's why you have a low usage rate. So if you're looking for a guy to really push your win total, Tyus is probably not that guy, not a starter, not as a starter. Anyway, he's going to get you a few more wins, but again, worth $64 million. So to come back to it, he's a good, I think 10 million, dollar a year excellent backup point guard for a superstar in the league and as you mm -hmm. say that's a mm -hmm. bit of a lifestyle choice do you want to be on a positive team where there's a good culture where guys like each other where you have clear goals and it's clear how you're going to achieve those goals and then still get paid 10 million dollars a year or do you want to go to a potentially difficult situation where you're going to be over relied upon right maybe get paid a little bit more that's going to be i think the choice ties will have to make this summer marv yeah yeah, and, and, and Tyus is really smart, and it's like, I'm not sure, I mean, the uncertainty elsewhere, you know, the, a bird in the hand beats two in the bush, it's like what you know you've experienced, it's like, I mean, who knows, I mean, you know, we A, we also don't know Tyus's life situation, or exactly what all his objectives are, and what he wants to fund, or, you know, I have no, who knows, right? Yeah. But um, I'm just saying, either way he goes, he's going to be wealthy and, and yeah then you know so it's like yeah yeah i'm not sure i was like i mean it's hard to it's impossible to for yeah. me to put myself in his shoes but it's yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. would be very it would be i wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he decides to just hold pat and stay yeah. with the grizzlies well, I, and, and, and Heard sort of sees the bigger picture here too and i'd refer folks to his patreon page he writes very well about this stuff if Memphis decides to go in on Tyus and Kyle Anderson again this year, right? Two expiring contracts. They have the bird rights for Tyus. I'm not sure about uh, Kyle Anderson, which means that they can basically uh, match or, or exceed any um, offer from another team, right? To be able mm -hmm. to keep your guy. So they can do that with Tyus. You know, if they go in on Tyus and Kyle Anderson and, and keep them this summer, right? That's going to eat up the cap space. But listen, I, I don't know that Memphis should be in the market for any other uh, one guy who's going to come in and try to give you more than those two guys. I, there was an athletic mm -hmm. piece, Marv, this past week, and I kind of hot take tweeted on this athletic <laughs> piece. And I was like, this is everything that's wrong 
with uh, the coverage from the athletic on the Memphis Grizzlies. And it was like, well, let's look at all these different guys that, you know, we could bring in and some of these things it's like, well, you know, are we really going to bring TJ Warren in and get rid of Desmond Bain or Dylan Brooks? Like what universe are these folks living in that you're, you're actually not watching the Grizzlies. You actually, you actually don't know the philosophy, right. That has heretofore been um, the point of the franchise, which is let's let guys get better. That's literally what Taylor Jenkins has said to them every single day. It's what's posted on the locker room before they go and play every single game, get better every day. Guys like Dylan Brooks, uh, guys like uh, Desmond Bain, they're still getting better, Marv. Mm-hmm. And they're in a mm-hmm. system that promotes that. And I would say the same is true both for Tyus and Kyle Anderson as well. Those guys mm-hmm. are getting better, right? Operating within the system. And so um, obviously we don't get to be the GM of the Grizzlies. Um, but, you know, if we were, I think we'd probably want to invest our money in and Ty- bringing Tyus and Kyle back. Yeah. No, that's certainly what I hope from a fan perspective that they do, right? Because like keeping that, team as intact as we can yeah i just don't i don't think that there's any magic like you 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 look at these for these fan forums these different facebook groups or what have you and and these people are like oh imagine this dream scenario trade and and, and i saw something happen on on this thread on a thread like that that i had never seen before where basically a bunch of people like jumped on this one guy and they were nice about it but they're like dude we don't need any, any, any trades. Like exactly. The, the team's great. Like, yeah. like just leave it alone and let it win. Yes. Like, we don't need, there's no magic formula out there, Yeah, which part of the, the fun is the speculation. And some fans just love oh, for to, sure. to think about like, Oh, there's this guy, the sleeper pick guy that could be the thing. And it's like, yeah. we've got the thing. We've got the sleeper pick. Yeah, we've got the sleeper (laughs) pick, guys. Yeah, his name is Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks went number 45 in the second round, halfway through the second round. And I have been so impressed with Dylan since he has been back, Marvin. You know what he's doing well that I really love? He's picking his shots. That has Mm -hmm. been the major Mm -hmm. knock on Dylan for the last few years. And man, I tell you what. He likes to go to the top of the paint on one of the corners on either the right or the left. I guess you could call that the elbow, but he doesn't operate from the, he just rises up and shoots over guys and makes the shot like almost every time. And I'm like, that's a good shot for Dylan Brooks, which is why he's choosing that shot. Um, And I've just been so, so proud of him again, number 45 in the draft middle of the second round. And he's a starter on the second best team in the league. And arguably one of the best stoppers in the league. And I, one and, of the and, best stoppers and one of the great, like kind of like vocal, emotional, like, like uh, almost kind of Braveheart level of like charge into oh, battle no, kind no of like doubt. level person. No doubt. And, and I mean, I want to go through the Phoenix game in some detail, but I just want to raise this up because Dylan Brooks was excellent in that game. He was the only starter that played the, the typical starter, you know, for mm-hmm. the Grizzlies, only, only one of the typical five. And in the third quarter, <laughs> Dylan Brooks uh, got so into the chest of and the brain of Devin Booker <laughs> that Devin Booker <laughs> got a tech and and yeah. and Ja was standing courtside and everybody else was sitting on the bench while uh, Dylan went to shoot that technical foul. And that to me just summarized the the culture of this team so well. Ja can't play. <laughs> 
but he is there. He is supporting his guy. John's is the bona fide superstar, but he is so excited that Dylan Brooks is shooting that technical foul because of what it means for the team, because he has gotten in the brain mm-hmm. of this, of this perimeter creator, <laughs> Devin Booker, one of the most gifted scorers in the league. Sure. Sufficient to the point where now Dylan Brooks has taken a shot and De- Devin Booker has a technical foul. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You know, that's part of the game. It's like it's getting in the head of these other players and 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 f- getting them to lose their cool. That's it. And Dylan Brooks does that better than probably anyone else. <laughs> and, that's why they call him the villain. <laughs> right. So great, the villain, yeah. the villain energy was in full effect uh, for sure. And and, and yeah. let's talk about this Phoenix team because this could potentially be a playoff series matchup, Marvin. If the Grizzlies yeah. matriculate to the Western Conference Finals, I think this is the team that they will see there is the Phoenix Suns. So, right. so that is something to really keep an eye on. And it was cool because our old friend Jay Crowder, <clears throat> who was here with uh, Solomon Hill, right, um, yeah. in Jaws' first year and Taylor Jenkins' first year, he apparently told the, the team, he said, listen, if we can't win it this year, Phoenix, then I want you guys to win it. And I just love that, man. I'm like, yeah, that's my guy. awesome. He Jay really Crowder's is, awesome. man. I mean, yeah. he's one of those dudes, like you want him on your team because when he's not on your team, he is definitely a pest. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. you know, this Phoenix game, it was no, no Tyus, no John, no Steve-O, no Bane. Um, I'm pretty sure Jaron was out uh, in that game as well. I have to kind of go back and, and check that here momentarily. But the point is the Grizzlies were down, um, you know, the vast majority uh, of their guys. Um, and it was yeah. just, it was just amazing to watch in that moment. Right. We still had DB mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. dude came out in the first quarter. And, uh, I think Brevin Knight said it. he was playing like a man possessed. He was scoring. He was, he was defending. Um, I mean, and he was carrying both of those loads, Marvin. I think that that's, that is something new for Dylan. It's a sign of maturity in this his fourth or fifth year in the league. Right. Yeah where he's now able to not just carry that defensive load, but he's doing a disciplined job on the offensive end as well. And boy, he came out and he was the leader of this Grizzly shorthanded Grizzlies team in that Phoenix game. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, it's like all season long. We've been noting that they're that all players uh, made a leap and the leap was bigger than anybody anticipated. It would be. Now, Dylan's is coming a little bit late in the season because he had that injury that slowed him down. Yeah, exactly. But I would argue this, what you just described there is the Dylan Brooks version of the leap of this season of the, yeah. of the, the, that has been tucked inside this, like, you know, uh, you know, multi-volume set, so to speak, of all the mini leaps that, that have been made by individual players that have, that have added up to the leap of the team. Absolutely. This unprecedented leap up from, you know, maybe they'll play in the playing game to solid number two. Absolutely. Yeah. An indisputable number two. Right. And and a a real contender. I mean, the athletic has gotten that right in in recent um, in recent weeks. Mm -hmm. I think that the Grizzlies against the Suns is a good matchup for this Grizzlies team. Um, I really do. I, I think that if if we were to get into that Western Conference Finals scenario um i think it could work out that's going to be a battle right but i think it's a good matchup right um yeah. I, I think you know it, it'd on be the, a great in, series it from really a fan would. perspective that'll be an incredible chris series. paul versus john morant 
Um, and then on the inside, you've got DeAndre Ayton and Jaron Jackson Jr., right, coming from the same draft class. Mikael Bridges maybe going to be uh, the defensive player of the year. Uh, he's the favorite in Vegas right now to win defensive mm. player of the year. A guard mm. hasn't won that. Um, I can't remember since the 90s, some ridiculous period mm-hmm. of time. Obviously, our friend Jay Crowder at the four squaring off against Jaron Jackson Jr. That would be amazing. And then Devin Booker versus Dylan Brooks. I mean, I think the Grizzlies play uh-huh. that lineup pretty evenly, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you've got, you know, Landry Shamit, uh, Campaign, JaVale McGee. Um, you've got guys who come off the bench for the Suns that are pretty good. But guess what? The Grizzlies have the best bench in the league. That's right. Yeah, advantage Grizzlies. I think. I, I I think the Grizzlies really could do something special if this Suns team ends up being the team that stands between our Memphis Grizzlies and the NBA Finals. Marv, right? Well, think about this. You know, even I mean, in this incredible game where <clears throat> we're not playing most of our starters and we still manage to beat the Suns, um, that is incredible. Like, like. In, the, in its totality, right? But like the, the thing within that's especially impressive is that the Suns made their run. And so the Suns, okay, if we caught them napping at the outset of the game, okay, okay, they thought, oh, well, we're playing all their, playing their third string. Well, let's phone it in, you know, whatever. Like, let's say we got out to that initial lead because of that. But see, they gathered themselves and they caught us, right? And yeah. so, and I know at that at that point of the game, logic says, well, you know, it's awesome that our, you know, this team took the Suns by surprise and everything, but now the Suns are going to assert themselves uh, and, and, and possibly win. Like that wouldn't have been unexpected, but, the, but they, they counterpunched, they got back to even. So we're back to the kind of quote unquote zero, zero, but then what did we do? We also gathered ourselves. Absolutely. And push the lead back on out. And then, you know, that they, they tried to catch us there at the end, but they couldn't. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I, and if we can do that, if we can have that confidence, that like audacity <laughs> with the team we had minus all of our stars, dude, then I got to believe we can win a seven game series against the Suns. Yeah. And so I just, I think that's worth thinking about. I haven't heard a lot of folks talking about that. And so I think that may be, you know, a unique uh, Memphis hardwood take on this. I think the Grizzlies are a good matchup against the Suns. And I think that what we saw, you know, because it was largely the bench that started against this Suns team. I think mm-hmm. it, I think it portends well for the Grizzlies success in a, in a seven game series. Yeah. We got to talk about coach Jenkins getting teed up and kicked out of the game. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just felt like Marv, when I saw that, the note that I took down was, Coach Jenkins is playing a, a chess game here, right? Where some other guys are playing checkers. And what I meant by that was <laughs> he got he got kicked out for basically um, contesting a call where Jitty got fouled on the other end, but there was no call. And right. then he he was he was basically harassing a guy coming up the floor, and then Jitty gets called for a foul. Right. I mean, it's fairly innocuous, right? It's one foul. Jitty's not going to foul out, whatever. And it's John Conchar. But Coach Jenkins said, obviously, a number of magic words and got tossed from that game um, in the second quarter. I believe it was the second quarter in the first mm-hmm. half mm-hmm. for defending John Conchar. And uh, so I wanted to highlight that because <laughs> isn't that what this team is all about, right? From 1 to 17, right, including our, including our two guys who, like, swing between the hustle and the Grizzlies, everybody's got their back. 
And Coach Jenkins was like, hey, just because, you know, John Conchar, you're not out here starting every time when your number's called, you, you know, you do your job, right? But when he saw John Conchar getting the wrong end of the stick from the officiating crew, Taylor Jenkins treated it just like it was John Moran or Jaron Jackson Jr. Yep. He went to the mat for his guy, Marv. No, I agree. Uh, and that is that is part of why he's loved. It's like it, it is, and it's also uh, the key to why it emboldened his team all the more um to to dig down even deeper i would argue um it it um i wonder i wonder if he uh i mean because don't certain words like trigger like trigger expose in, in, in a way in a way him going there who knows whether we'll never know whether it was kind of like intentional uh like like he like he yeah, knew yeah, he yeah. was going to get tossed although that's not too crazy to think but it's also it's also a confidence in uh, the coaches who he knew would take over. Oh, right? absolutely! Because like, we won some games. I forget what the, the game was where where Taylor Jenkins had to go to. Was it his father's funeral? Uh, like, he, he had a death in the family. Yeah, he had a death in the family, and it's like, um, and but but there were just there have been a couple of instances, and maybe it was a COVID protocol thing or whatever. It's like, yeah, he was out with COVID too. Coach Jenkins has confidence not only not only in like his players all the way down to number seventeen, but he also right. has confidence in his coaching staff. Absolutely, and it's really more about the system. Yes. And it's like he was yes. confident that it, the people who were there to coach the second half could Im- implement the system. Yeah, Darko That's like Ryan. even. Yeah, Deeper Darko Ryakovich. I mean, and yeah. Brad Jones as well, who previously coached the hustle. I mean, yeah, those yeah. guys are they they play the same way in South Haven as they do at the Grizzlies franchise. And like you mm-hmm. say, the system is well known among players and coaches. And it does, it speaks to the confidence top to bottom, uh, including the coaching staff, not just the players. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I just there was so much to that game to like, but Xavier Tillman was fantastic. I mean, he's been out of the rotation yep. most of the year, Marv. Yep. And Xavier we Tillman about this last week. Yeah, yep. he, he was plus 15 with 13 points. Xavier Tillman, Marv, had seven assists and six rebounds. It was like he was Steven Adams out there. He's a good player. Like he's a good player. And he finally was dependent upon. And what did he do? Like, next man up, boom, he's in. He's scoring. Yeah. He's and, he's and of course. And like, of course, the like most legendary Xavier Tillman play is that go ahead three pointer to seal the victory against the Golden State Warriors in the play in game last year, but to eliminate yes. Steph Curry. But yes, <laughs> he is a good player, man. And uh, you he just is. love to see him, you know, having having success. Jiddy continues to shoot the ball so well. Um, yeah. John Conchar, I mean, he was two of two from three, um, six of nine from the field. And that overall. last one had a, had a hand right in his face and he drained oh, it anyway. Absolutely. He has so much confidence shooting the ball right now. And you just, you just love to see that. Um, we're going to get to Santi Aldama, but I want to save it because we had a yeah. milestone moment in that game from Santi. Um, I just want to point out a, a lineup that I saw in the second quarter. I don't know that we'd even... I don't know that we had seen this. It was Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks, and Brandon Clark. Marv, that may be the longest six, eight guys lineup in the league. <laughs> there's, there's so much yeah. length. And Brandon yeah. Clark has been playing incredibly good defense. Yep. Um, DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson, obviously known as defenders. Dylan Brooks, known as a defender. And Zaire is getting increasingly confident on the defensive end of the floor. And his length really yeah. bothers guys. 
And I was like, I was like, oh my goodness. I just like, I just write that lineup down because I was like, I don't know that this lineup, I haven't looked at cleaning the glass, but if they've played minutes, it ain't been many. Um, but like, okay, these are, these are pretty much all guys with the exception of Dylan Brooks, right. Who are coming off the bench and they can probably defend lights out against any lineup in the league. Bodes well, doesn't it? (laughs) So I just, there was a lot to love about this, uh, this Phoenix game. Um, D'Anthony Melton, um, he had this reload three in the third quarter. Uh, he Mm -hmm. just got the ball back and just put it in three of eight from three point line. He's still shooting. Uh, with confidence, you know, in that mm-hmm. game as well. Mm-hmm. So glad to see DeAnthony Melton continue to be hot because if he can stay hot going into the playoffs, boy, look out. Woo. Uh, also out. got to give a shout out to, to Zaire, man. He is playing off the dribble so much more this year. Remember when he started yeah. the year, he's just posting up for threes. Mm-hmm. He came off the dribble a number of times in this game to go right to the rim. Um, and you love mm-hmm. to see that because he was seven of 15 from the field and only one of five from three. So I love seeing, uh, these guys take the ball to the rim and not get just fall in love with the three point shot. Um, right. And then of course, man, in the fourth quarter, if you go back and look at the game log, man, the Grizzlies, they, there's like you say, the Suns were really pushing us towards the end of that game. You know, the Grizzlies end up winning that fourth quarter, 38 to 31. Um, but it was not a foregone conclusion going into that game. It was a battle back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was 83 to 84. And then what happened, man? Xavier Tillman comes in. Santi Aldama comes in. Xavier D- Tillman, Santi Aldama, man. These guys going back and forth. Zaire Williams, John Conchar. That is the crew that beat the Phoenix Suns starting yeah. lineup, Marv. I know. I mean, Santi Aldama actually is a different player than uh, – well, they've all made a, a progress. You're totally uh, right about that, though. But, Your but, point is totally right about Santi. Santi, like when he got uh, put, uh, you know, like sent back down to the hustle, I not only thought to myself, you know, yeah, he needs a little bit of a little bit of work. uh, But I also just I really thought of it most immediately as in I'm not sure he's adding to the momentum of the Grizzlies. But what was but I wasn't thinking so much of that that he was going to go down to the hustle and grow so much. But if you watch that postgame interview that he did, uh, he talked about that. So uh, somebody asked him about this specifically. And he talked about exactly how much it t- did help him grow, and I think it helped him diversify his game. Uh, and 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 he's just he's playing with confidence. So like he had a, it was that it was the one where like Melton gets the block, and then there's the the leech out, and and he just takes the ball and he sidesteps. Uh, uh, oh gosh, who was the guy? Uh, McGee, I think. Oh, Javale McGee. Yeah, he sidesteps him. Uh, so I, I think he, he, he's just playing great. It's, it's like, it, you don't want to over-focus on that. The great, the, the highlight play with the reverse dunk. Oh, uh, dude. Solely, but it's like, it's not just that play, you know, like that no. play was awesome, but yeah. it's like, he, he played a, he played a solid, oh, dude. great game. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. And, and I think part of the reason he played such a solid and great game is because of of what that play represents. He was not settling for the three-point shot. He pumped fake the three, and you got to respect that. And then he put the ball on the floor and went from the corner right along the baseline for a reverse two-handed jam. Yeah. And, I I mean, that that represents the evolution in Santi's game, okay? He had zero three-point shots against the Suns. 
and he was mm-hmm. five of eight from the field, 12 points plus three, uh, five rebounds and assist to steal a block. Um, I mean, just a, just a solid game from Santi Aldama, um, which oh, no. he's, he's a rookie. I know that's yeah, right. That's the other thing that I'd somehow managed to kind of like miss or whatever. You know, I just like, I was like, did he come? Did he play in Europe first? Like I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, he's a rookie. Uh, and I just thought, you know, uh, and I watched that play, that highlight reverse dunk a thousand times. If I watched it's so it once. good. And, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, you, you, you focus on the bench. Like, I'm just like, I know what Santi's going to do. So I'm just lo- eyes locked on on the yeah. bench and they're just standing there with bated breath like oh man yeah <laughs> they just explode you know oh my god and gosh. just like jaron jackson jr and it's like freaking beautiful cardigan sweater you know just <laughs> whatever you know up and down the <laughs> and he does this like this fake kind of like it's almost like he's running up and down as if like all right guys don't walk up don't run out on the court yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. like trying to keep <laughs> control of everybody or something <sighs> and it's just like yeah folks are just hugging going yeah. nuts and it's just like, again, you know, it was like uh, um, the uh, we've had a couple of like plays out of players that you didn't expect it out of or like um, uh, like the Killian Tilly monster dunk with, with the like chest pounding thing that ignited the vents. You know, it's like, oh, my God, there have been those those plays by people you consider not to be impact players and they show you a depth and not just a depth a fire in the gut that you're oh, like, yeah. Oh hell yeah. You know? Yes. It gets like, people enthused. Santi Aldama with oh the reverse dunk. Like, Oh, oh yeah. God. It's, it's that college energy once again. Totally. And you know, I, the, the last thing I want to mention about the Suns game is, you know, with 148 left in the fourth quarter, um, Darko Ryakovich uh, challenged a foul call that was called against Dylan Brooks and Devin Booker had made this two point shot. And the call was overturned. The Grizzlies retained their timeout and the foul was not called on Dylan Brooks. And I just thought that was such an exquisite use of the challenge. You know, this is a relatively new thing in the NBA Mm -hmm. kept Dylan out on the floor. Um, It kept the momentum in the Grizzlies favor. Um, And I mean, basically that's really when the Grizzlies just continued to play lockdown defense in those last two minutes and sealed the game. So yeah, Marv, this, this was, this was my favorite um, game of the season. Um, our friend, uh, Sean, they, he's Sean, Sean Char on, yeah. <laughs> on Twitter in honor of our friend, John Conchar. Um, but you know, our fellow bandmate, uh, Sean Apple has said that yeah. he really loved the 73 point blowout against Oklahoma city thunder. I was also smiling ear to ear in that game, but I just felt like at this stage of the season against this caliber of talent with none of our starters, this had to be the best game uh, in my opinion of the season. From a fan perspective, I totally 100% agree with you. And the blowout was like a total laugh, a laugher. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but this represents a really thorough, like it really showed the depth um, of the team and also the strength of that depth. Uh, and it's pretty deep and pretty strong. And that's, oh, yeah. that's really, really reassuring if you think that like it only goes up from here like we're only adding additional awesome firepower and it's like that does not bode well for for anybody who's facing the grizzlies well speaking of which um we will know shortly whether the first round matchup is going to be against the clippers or against the minnesota timberwolves um i i watched the timberwolves this weekend because I predicted that that would be the team that the Grizzlies face as they go as the two seed against the seven seed. 
Um, and I just, I really like this Anthony Edwards kid. I think he's just a phenomenal player. Um, and I like Carl Anthony towns too. I, I want him to succeed. He's just lost mm-hmm. for so much of his career and he's such a good player. They didn't play uh, with Patrick Beverly on Saturday when I watched uh, the Timberwolves play. And they're really a bit of a different team when they don't play with Patrick Beverly, but on the Clippers side, the Grizzlies swept the season series with the Clippers for the first time, maybe ever this year. Um, but, but Marv, the Clippers just got Paul George back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul George is, is a very good basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. do you have any reservations or thoughts? And we can dive into this more in a week. Uh, the season will almost be over next time we get together. Yeah. You know, I, that's right. That's right. But like, I really don't, I mean, it, that is absolutely a, a variable that we should like look at and be concerned about but not ultimately concerned. If you know what I mean? Like, like I think we've got the firepower, like, like the Clippers don't become so much better with him that I think, Oh God, we're, I mean, you know, it's not nothing, but I also think we're talented enough to beat him with him. Yeah. And it's not Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, most importantly. Um, And I don't think Kawhi is going to be coming back. So Grizzly swept the season series against the the Clippers. The, The Timberwolves had more success against the Grizzlies this year. Um, when we get back together, uh, in a week, Marv, we will know, um, a little bit more about where things are going. Uh, we won't quite have gotten to, uh, the play in tournament yet. So we probably won't know for a lock, um, exactly what is going to happen, um, with these Grizzlies. Um, the last Grizzlies game will be played before we get together again, y'all that's going to be on this Sunday at home versus Boston. So by next Tuesday, um, I believe the play in tournament is going to start on next Tuesday. So, mm-hmm. um, we will, uh, we will get you some coverage uh, at that time. Uh, and, uh, and we will be sure to tee up whatever that first round playoff series is going to be for the Grizzlies. We'll be sure to tee it up here on Memphis hardwood and get you ready because, um, Marvin, I think this team is going to make a run this year. How deep is, is to be determined, but I think this team is going to make a deep run. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this, all the energy and the enthusiasm and the winning ways are going to carry over into the playoffs. I like, I just don't buy these, you know, uh, social media commenter commenters that are really kind of somewhat jealous of the Grizzlies. Their favorite team are, are the ones that we're, we're crushing. Uh, but, but they're like, well, we'll see if how they wind up in the playoffs, you know, it's not really playoffs, you know, like it's like, okay, it's, that is true. Sure. It's, sure. it's a different type of basketball, but it's like, they're not going to stop. The Grizzlies are going to stop being talented. No, <laughs> you know? no. it's like, I think they'll, I mean, especially with Dylan Brooks coming back and being that infectious kind of like leader. Uh, and like I said, his style of play juices the entire team to dig down deeper. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think what we saw on, on, on display in the Suns game uh, with the rallying behind that, that, <clears throat> you know, that squad beating the Suns shows you a lot about the depth and strength of the team. And I just think, we're a really strong team. We're really deep. We're really locked in. And, uh, and I think we're ready. Yeah, I think we're ready. I don't fear the playoffs. I think we're ready too. let's keep an eye on John Morant. Uh, again, we've got a two game road trip at Houston and then at Denver, I will be at the Denver game. And so we'll be sure to report any happenings and stories from that game, but I am hopeful y'all John Morant will be back for that game on Thursday night in the mile high city. Y'all it has been a great time as always 
talking to Marvin Stockwell about your Memphis Grizzlies. And Marvin, I want to thank you for making the time and for being sure. a good friend and a great Grizzlies fan. Go Grizz. Go Grizz. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get together on Memphis Hardwood. Stay tuned, everyone, because we have got the last four games of the season taking place, Utah, Denver, and then a two-game homestand, New Orleans and Boston. You'll hear all about it here on Memphis Hardwood next week, win or loss. But these Grizzlies are poised to win, and not just these final games, but as we go into the playoffs this year. This Grizzlies team is for real, folks. So stay tuned, and we'll see you next week on Memphis Hardwood. 